Hello, good evening, and welcome to Seascapes. For tonight's programme, I'm on board Ireland's new tall ship, the Grace O'Malley. We hear from Irish sailor Tom Dolan about to undertake the solo Figaro race in France. And we hear about some fake news at sea. On Wednesday, the tall ship, the Grace O'Malley, arrived in Dublin port. She is set to become Ireland's sail training vessel to replace the Asgard, which sank in 2008. She was purchased in Sweden by the Atlantic Youth Trust and is now to undergo a refit to make her suitable for sail training. When I went aboard, I met Owen O'Malley, the chief engineer, and he showed me around. Owen O'Malley, anything to grace O'Malley? Uh, descendant, far out, but we'll say I'm a descendant. So as the chief engineer, what, what's your job? My role on board is for the running of the engines on board the ship, the sewage, uh, making sure the chef has hot water and uh, electricity for cooking, and just the general maintenance of the vessel, because uh, she is a commercial vessel, she, she needs to be maintained uh, all the time. Tell me about her. There's an awful lot of ropes, three masts, an awful lot of ropes. Yeah, three masts, a lot of ropes, a lot of pulleys. Um, you can see here that the, the, the masts are made of pine, uh, they were old trees that were set maybe back in the 16th century in Denmark and the Pacific, uh, they were set specifically for shipmaking. Okay. Um, so that's the, the, all these, all these masts, I think they're all, all original masts that are still on her. They look like one piece to me, each one? Yeah, they're all single piece masts, so, so the trees were grown specifically for that first ship building. How tall are each of these? Uh, they're about 30 metres in height. Um, so it's a fair distance up, you know. It's a it's a it's a long way down from the top, you could say. Yeah. Uh, but they're um, they're yeah, magnificent, a magnificent feature of the ship. You you will have crew going up and down to the top up with these rat lines. Oh yeah, crew going up and down. We the, we set a few sails on the way over, so they've been all the way up to the top, and they've been doing a lot of maintenance work on the vessel, getting it ready. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's an experience in itself being up there. Who's been crewing it for you now, coming over here? Uh, so crewing it, there was a Jerry Bur- Captain Jerry Burns was on board. Uh, my brother Brian O'Malley was also on board here with me, and we had a mixture of uh, nationalities. We had some Swedish, German, uh, Cypriot, and an Irish as well to help us bring it. So it was a mixed mixed crew, people with uh, experience in how to sail these to- uh, square rigs because it's a it's a traditional type of sailing. So uh, it's a very unique type. What kind of a trip did you have over? over when did you leave Sweden? We left Sweden there about the just around mid to late July. Uh, we had a bit of wind at the start. Um, a lot of wind, I understand. A lot of wind at the start, yeah. But she's a she's an unbelievable vessel. Uh, the way the waves flare off her is just is uniqueness in itself. How she, how good how steady she is through the water. Uh, so that was a slow start, we could say. And uh, we got the weather got good, and we had a lovely sail down over the top of Scotland and down through the Scottish Isles then and into Derry then. Do you mind if we take a look down yep. below? Yeah, no problem. Or we just take walk and talk as we go down here. Yeah, this is because she was a, a private leisure vessel. This, okay. is the, this is the old bar we're looking at here. So there was a, a carpenter that used to come on board, and he beautifully laminated all the wood. So it's beautifully done. Uh, you can see it for yourself. The yeah. The history was it was a private yacht. It was a private yacht. Yeah. So she was built in 1982 for uh, private yachting. Uh, so she was in Sweden. Uh, the owner, Lars Eric, would have sailed over to the Caribbean and he would have brought out people on charter tours in a, in a lavish type of sense. <laughs> That's going to change as time goes on. 
time goes on, will, things will change. A lot of the interior will have to change for the practicality of the vessel. Um, but we will try and keep as much as possible, like uh, as we'll see the main lounge down below, we will try and keep as much as that because it is, it is beautiful and she is just a, a beautiful vessel inside, but a lot will have to change. A lot of the bedrooms will have to change and stuff like that. We're going to take a look. We'll have a look indeed. So we're just going into the main lounge area here. As you can see, it's a, a large, wide open space. You we've got a lot of visitors here today. Yeah, we have a lot of visitors. Um, so you can see here there's a large open space area here. Um, that we've, with This area would like to be maintained because it's a good area for people to meet and talk, have yeah. food. Education uh, room as well. Educational room is exactly what it'll be. So, uh, you know, it's lots of space, which is good about this vessel. Yeah. We have a lot of space to work with. So we'll be hoping to keep this area. And as, as, as again, the, the, the build quality is just beautiful. Main light up here. Okay, you've, you've got a lot of lights coming into this big room here. Yeah, so we have a kind of like a skylight coming in, so it helps brighten up, helps to brighten up the vessel itself, which is a nice way of natural light to use a natural light. So it's very nice. We're now just uh, entering one of the cabins that was on board. So as you can see, it was a, a fine size of a, a single bedroom with a nice couch. It's a, it's a pretty big bedroom. It's a pretty even big. if it's in your house. It's yes, yes, and we have a full ensuite toilets on board so this this will change these will be made into bunks uh the kids will stay in these rooms uh so th this is the side where the most change will probably happen yeah. from a, a kind of a carpentry side is the um, putting in the uh, of bunks into these bedrooms to hold the kids when you're up and running as a sail training vessel how many kids would you have how many trainees about 30 to 35 i think is about the size we could take uh, comfortably so I, ho I think that's what they're hoping to take on board, which we will, uh, which will be designed and planned into the renovations of the vessel. Are you with her for her life? Do you think? I'm not too sure. I'm with her for a while anyway. So yeah. yeah. On her journey back to Ireland, various volunteers joined her at different times, and the young man who sailed her into Dublin underneath the Eastlink Bridge is 21-year-old Oliver O'Carroll. My name's Oliver. I'm a deckhand here on the Grace O'Malley with the Atlantic Goose Trust. How did you end up getting on this ship? Uh, I've been sailing since I was nine and uh, I saw they were recruiting for volunteers and for crew members so I just jumped at it with my own sailing background. You're in Maritime College yourself? I am, yeah. I started in the NMCI down in Cork in 2019 and I was just after finishing my second year of marine work placement working at um, Merchant Vessels. A life less ordinary, you get to travel, to work at sea, you can see some in interesting places. How are you finding it so far, the work? It can be tough going, but it has a lot of opportunities, a lot of doors open once you finish college, mm. and you get to travel around the world. Where have you been so far? I've been up through Norwegian fjords, I've been down as far as Egypt, around the Mediterranean, um, mostly, just, mostly, mostly around Northern Europe. Is that just in the last two summers? Yeah, since February 2021, up until July. Yeah, what kind of ships are you on? Uh, I worked on general cargo and bulk carriers. What kind of a life will that be as you go on, do you think? Uh, it can be tough going. You'll be away from your family. Um, but you do get a lot of time off. You do three months at sea and you can come home for three months. Uh, it depends on your contracts. But I've been down to the National Marine College myself. This kind of career at sea for a ship's officer, it can be a really good career. You have great career prospects. Yeah, as, uh, as I was saying, a lot of doors and opportunities open up for you as soon as you finish your college and you get your certificates. 
Like we, we had uh, two pilots from Dublin Port coming in with us today. So you can work at sea for a few years and then there's a lot of opportunities and jobs ashore whilst you can still work within the industry. Yeah, cruise ships or anything like that, would that appeal to you? Uh, definitely the cruise ships go to some very interesting places. Like some of my classmates were going up around uh, Alaska and the Caribbean, um, Australia. So you get to go some of the nice places for sure. Are you back in college now shortly? I'm going back to college in the second week of September and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you'll have some great stories to swap with some of your classmates. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely a lot of, a lot of stories to be told. Now, you've been on the Grace O'Malley. How, how many days have you been here? I've only been here a week, but some of the lads here have been here since June or July, getting her ready to bring her over from Ireland. She was bought over in Sweden and uh, they did a few weeks work on her and they sailed her over to Derry and she's just doing her rounds around the whole island now. What kind of jobs have you been on doing on her? I saw you climbing up the rigging earlier. Yeah, so there's the, the typical deck maintenance jobs, but there's also navigation. Uh, as well, I've got my steering certificate from my time working at Sea on Merchant Ship, so I was helming her in through the Liffey and under the bridge today, so that was quite the experience. A bit nerve-wracking, but a bit of crack nonetheless. Now, tell me about it. She's a very large ship with three masts. Yeah, so she's, uh, I think the hull's about 40 metres, and then plus the bowsprit, it's another 10 metres, so she's she's a pretty big sailing ship. She's got three masts, and she, she I think she can have up to 14, 13 sails up at a time. Now, the, the hull is metal, but everything else we're looking at here is wood. Yeah, so uh, originally the ship was designed with submarine steel, and I've been told it can be between 8 millimetres to 11 metres thick, but the, the steel is actually sheathed in timber, so she looks like a classic boat. Um, but she, there's a good bit of steel behind the wood on the hull as well. And the whole deck and everything else is um, uh, wood. Also visiting on Wednesday were a large number of sea scouts from Dollymount in Dublin. These are some of the young people sail training will be aimed at. Stephen Geary is one of the leaders of the group. And we're based on Dallymount at the, uh, Bull Island, just alongside the wooden bridge. You've got a lot of your sea scouts here today. Yes, we have a great group of people here t- t- today to uh, welcome in, I suppose, the Grace O'Malley uh, for the first time into, into Dublin. It's a fantastic day um, as the replacement for the Asgard. Um, hopefully some of these will get the opportunity to um, sail and get the opportunity to train on this. Um, many scouts and sea scouts before have been on the Asgard, so it's a fantastic opportunity for them to uh, be part of the sail training programme. The Asgard has gone, what, 15 years? Um, probably something like that. Um, you know, We've had nothing since. Not, nothing since, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a fanta- fantastic opportunity for, for young people to, um, you know, to, as I said, to learn, learn the ropes and to, uh, to work on a, on a vessel this size. This size. Um, it's bigger than I expected, which is fantastic. Um, it's a lovely-looking ship, and... Uh, the best of luck with the Atlantic Youth Trust and the Grace O'Malley Group in relation to uh, you know getting it up and going and getting the opportunities for the for the scouts and for the young people. It's um, my own two daughters uh, were on something similar earlier on this year and they're still talking about it and they'll be stop- talking about it for the rest of their life. Now we have ships like the Jeannie Johnson but that can't and doesn't operate as a safe training vessel, it's just not designed that way. 
Yeah, it's, you know, it's just a, it's a, that's, that's an unfortunate or whatever. It's a great tourist attraction, I suppose, within the uh, Dublin, Dublin port, but it's essential to have seagoing vessels like this. And I suppose its, its size is fantastic and will be um, a great opportunity for scouts and for young people to learn the, the sail training and the sail training programme. What do you think, from your experience, sail training does for young people? Um, I suppose the whole camaraderie, the teamwork, the um, commitment, the uh, dedication, the um, I suppose the work, working together, and uh, the, I suppose the being able to communicate and work as part of a team is, is essential. And um, you know, whether it is no matter what anybody does in, in their life. You're with Sea Scouts. How popular are the Sea Scouts? And the Sea Scouts are very popular. Um, our group in Dallymount, we have about 300 uh, children ranging from 6 to, uh, to 18 and across different, different programmes. And right across, all across Ireland, it's, uh, you know, it's very, very popular. Um, and I suppose the, the biggest problem with any, sea, any troop and scout troop is, is getting uh, leaders to be able to uh, pass on the, uh, the knowledge to the, to the scouts and to, to work with them through the Sea Scout programme and the scouting programme. Talks are underway between the Atlantic Youth Trust and the government to get the Grace O'Malley as formal status as Ireland's sail training vessel. Former TD Catherine Noon is Development Director with the Atlantic Youth Trust. The ship was bought with private donations and negotiations are now underway with the government to make this a state-sponsored and approved vessel. It's a very exciting day for us that the tall ship has finally arrived in Dublin after years really of uh, working on this project for, for an enormous amount of people. How is this ship going to work? It's going to be it's here now by the Atlantic Youth Trust. What's going to happen now? Well, basically what's happening now is that we're on a PR tour with the ship to show it to the Irish people and to engage now with um, the government to seek a partnership and funding to uh, fund this project on an ongoing basis. Um, there has been obviously communication to date and we're really excited. This ship brings a new impetus to that communication. Um, you know, we, we're very keen to uh, you know, get this up and running as a fantastic youth development tall ship for Ireland. And the aim will be that a lot of those children would be funded by benefactors. Indeed. It, it, we have a, a very complex model where, you know, those who can afford to pay will pay and those who can't will be funded in one way or another through bursaries. And that will be obviously overseen by a board, a state-appointed board, that will, you know, oversee that when you're dealing with children, you know, everything needs to be absolutely regulation-wise completely up to speed. You have a bit of engagement with governments to do yet. Indeed. And, because you know, this is privately funded so far. It's privately funded so far and like many projects uh, throughout the country and throughout the world, it sometimes requires a philanthropic aspect um, and for private individuals to maybe, you know, hope for match funding from the government. And, you know, the, the government... Um, you know, have been very positive about the, the prospect. For, it's in the programme for, for government? Indeed, and it has been for some time, and it's really time to get it out of the programme for government and an actual up-and-running project. Where does she go now? She's in Dublin here for a week or so? Yes, uh, she'll be in Dublin until Wednesday, and then she'll go to Cork, um, which is a wonderful maritime place, and they have a huge welcome planned for her there. And then she will go to Galway and 
back to uh, perhaps Belfast for the work and a lot of um, work is being done in that space at the moment to see who can do the work at the best price. It, cost, it will cost a significant amount of money and we're very confident that we'll be able to come up with that capital and we're hoping then that the government in partnership with us overseen by the state will um, you know, ha help with the ongoing funding of this which is such an important project um, and it's such a really good opportunity for Irish children. And the Grace O'Malley will be at St John Rogerson's Quay in Dublin until Wednesday and then in Cork City Centre for next weekend. One of our regular contributors is Norman Freeman. He has a story tonight about his seagoing days and how he got involved in creating fake news. Once upon a time I was involved in creating fake news. It wasn't intended to deceive anyone. It was simply making up items of news to cover my own shortcomings. It happened many years ago when I was the radio officer on a cargo passenger ship called the Drina of the Royal Mail Line. We were on our way to Brazil and Argentina from the UK. Most of our 12 passengers were British. This was before transistor radios came into general use. Once the ship left port, passengers were starved of news. Aware of this, the British Post Office provided a daily news bulletin from its powerful shortwave station at Porter's Head. It was transmitted in Morse code, at that time widely used for long-distance communication. The radio officer was meant to copy down the 20 or so short news items, then to be put on the notice board for the benefit of the passengers. I found it a stressful business. I could copy the first seven or eight pieces sent at about 22 words a minute, but then it speeded up, rattling along at 26 or 28. I floundered about, missing letters and words. However, I had the advantage of a powerful radio receiver in the radio room, with the aerial slung high between the ship's masts. I could tune into the BBC overseas news broadcasts on short wave, and fill in some of the blank spaces on the scribbled pages. Just the same, there were times when the news sheets could have done with a few more snippets of news. The master's clerk, a genial fellow, came up to the radio room each evening to collect my hurried writing and to type it up for the notice board. I told him of my problems. Not to worry, old chap, we'll just make up a few things. Like what? Oh, minor earthquakes in remote places, dust storms in the Sahara Desert, that kind of thing. Our first venture into fake news was that the Hyderabad Express train in India had gone off the rails. Fortunately, nobody was killed or injured. Apparently, the driver had ignored a warning signal. He was now being sought by the police, having been last seen running away towards a heavily wooded area. Next morning, the master's clerk stood at the notice board and overheard a ruddy colonial type declare, No week goes by in India without a rail crash. Encouraged by this, we fabricated more news items like a plague of locusts in Somalia and an infestation of crocodiles in the swamplands of the Upper Nile. Some of the passengers read them with great interest. Maybe drinking gin while creating fake news led us to become more imaginative. An item appeared which read, Lady Claire Boo Chippenham was taken to hospital in Cairo, having been severely bitten by a camel while viewing the pyramids of Egypt. We were astonished to hear a haughty woman passenger exclaiming, Poor Lady Clare, 
I met her once at a garden party. Beautiful woman. I hope she wasn't bitten on her face. Next day on the notice board came the consoling news. Doctors in Cairo are treating the posterior of Lady Claire Bood Chippenham, bitten by a camel during a visit to the pyramids. Apparently the snobbish lady spoke about Lady Clare at the captain's table during dinner. However, next day another passenger, a minor British diplomat, had doubts about Lady Clare. He said he had searched his copy of Burke's Peerage and could find no mention of a person of that name. Sharp words were exchanged between the two. Our captain had to intervene. Later, as the master's clerk and I sat in the radio room, ready to concoct more news items, the captain appeared at the door. Let's have nothing more about Lady Clare's bum, he ordered. I thought I saw a twinkle in his eye. There and then we decided that was the end of our foray into fake news. And we felt more than a little bit guilty that the snobbish woman and the diplomat never spoke to one another again for the rest of the voyage. The master's clerk said, Maybe making things up is not such a good idea after all. Norman Freeman On Sunday, one of Ireland's foremost international sports people, solo sailor Tom Dolan, sets out on his fifth solitary figure race in France. The race is a series of sailing marathons and is one of the biggest annual sports events in the country. He is now a veteran of the event and a household name in France. He spoke to me earlier from there. Sunday, yeah. Sunday we're leaving from Saint-Nazaire, just, just beside Nantes in France. France. Uh, we're heading up around a little island called Scotcolm Island, which is off the south coast of Wales, and then, and then back again to Brittany. And how many legs do you have this year? This year is three legs. Instead of having four longish legs, we have three very long legs, each of them about 700 miles. So about the, the same as a fast net race each, each time, so it should be, should be good. W- will that longer distance suit you? Usually it does, yeah, yeah. Usually it does because I'm not, I'm not great at that. The old, or my strong points has never been the, the, the starts or the first hours of races. But yeah, the, the generally the longer they are, the better I tend to do. So it should be good, yeah. How have the preparations been going for you? Is this your third year in this new boat, new type of boat? Yeah, third year. Sorry, in the in the in, in the new boat, um, it's been going quite intense actually. Yeah, we had a very busy uh, season. We 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 did. Well, Four or four right there, and in March, April, May, we'd four races, one after the other, with very little break in between them. With a one, we one that even went down to the, the south coast of Portugal and back, the Sardina Cup, which was uh, fairly intense. It was double-handed with a, with, a, with a, an English fellow called Alan Roberts. How have you been finishing in those races? Uh, not too bad. We've always been all, nearly all top tens finishes. I've uh, been a bit frustrated, to be honest. We were, especially when we double-handed with Alan, we were leading the races for quite a long, long period. chance we needed at the end, in the end of the races so um, going well I suppose but just a little bit frustrating I would have liked to be a bit higher up in the, in, the, in, the, in the rankings but things are going well One race I was following in you were you seemed to be in the lead the whole way until what maybe 10 or less hours but you got completely becalmed Yeah 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 that was a tough one alright so we led the, the whole the whole the whole first three quarters of the race as you would say and we, we went around to northern Brittany I don't know if a lot of people know it from a, very strong tides and very light wind and everything went a bit fooky and we ended up on the wrong side of the thing so that was, that was a bit of a tough one to stomach. <laughs> That's probably the one that leaves the most bitter taste from the season because we did, we did dominate most of the race and, and things just went a bit fluky at the end. I suppose that's, uh, 
sail boat racing in it. And those races were double-handed races. How did you find that as in comparison to sailing solo as you normally will do? It's a bit, it, you could sound, it's it's a bit more intense to be honest. It sounds like it'd be easier because the two is on board, but uh, it is quite a lot of intense. What we say double-handed racing is, is two single-handers who, who change over. So um, you're not only managing your own time and your own uh, I suppose nutrition when you eat and when you sleep you, you're not completely free to manage it as you want to. You, have, you have someone else on board so it's like one, it's always one hour on one hour off one hour on one hour off it can actually be very intense double handed just the sailing and even harder sometimes I find it even harder more difficult more challenging How is life for you in France now you've been there now for many years and you're pretty much a household name in sailing circles in, in France Yeah yeah it's, it's, it's been geez, it's, all, it's gone over 10 years that I've been here yeah so it's very uh, especially with the whole Covid thing I got stuck over here, so I went for nearly two, two, two years without getting home, and um, as long as went months without even speaking English. So I've, I'm very, very much settled in France at the moment, to be honest, and I can't, uh, can't really see myself living anywhere else at the moment. You know, so it's, it's great, I suppose. Smurfit Kappa are still your sponsors. Smurfit Kappa and Kingspan, yeah. So two Kingspan, which is uh, a company just up the road from where I grew up in, in Mead. So uh, two, two huge Irish companies, uh, trust in me to go out and. Do as best I can out in the oceans. Yeah, so it's great, very encouraging. And we're we're signed. We're still all signed up now until do 2024, into including that year. So uh, I really have everything I need to try and do do the best I can and do the best that can be done in, in the Figaro. You had a top three finish in one of the last legs. Are you hoping to improve in that this time? Yeah, I am absolutely. Yeah, having tasted it, what a podium finish in the Figaro was like, and especially after being so close to it. So many times this year, um, I definitely am trying to do, trying to try, 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 try and do the same thing. Yeah. You're one of the former sailors in the country. You'll be setting out on Sunday. We'll be watching all the way. And the best of luck. Thanks very much, uh, Fergal. And that was Tom Dolan. And that's it for Seascapes for this week. We're back at the same time next Friday. Everything on the programme is podcast. It's on our website, rte.ie slash seascapes. If you want to contact me or the programme, the email is seascapes at rte.ie. If you're anywhere on or near the water over the next week, stay safe. Seascapes is presented and produced by Fergal Keane.